Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Dr. Isaac Bogosh, infectious diseases specialist at Toronto General Hospital, associate professor of medicine at the University of Toronto. And uh, Dr. Bogosh, thank you for the time. When it comes to the booster shot, let's start with what the president of Moderna had to say yesterday, and that is he believes that may be incumbent or maybe necessary for Canadians to have a booster shot by sometime around Christmas. What do you say to that? I say let's follow the data and not the CEOs of the corporations (laughs) that are making the vaccines. Uh, And if we actually take a step back and look at what the data tells us, There are some people that need a booster now, but we don't all need a booster now. The people that would need a booster at this point in time are people who are immunocompromised, are people who are living in long-term care facilities. And then we could debate if it's people who are, for example, community-dwelling seniors. I'm making up a number of 65 and up, but people would debate that point. But certainly, long-term care and immunocompromised people should, should should get a booster. And I wouldn't even call it a booster. I would call it a third dose. It's not like you've got two doses and you're, you have waning immunity. It's that you didn't mount the same immune response that you should have mounted because you don't have the same immune system that you once had. And that you really have received two doses of a three-dose vaccine series for those groups. Do we all need a booster now? No, we don't. We might in the future, but we certainly don't need one now. How long do you believe, or is there evidence that shows how long the current vaccinations that Canadians have received, double-vaxxed Canadians, how long can we expect those vaccinations to be effective? Do we know? I don't know, and nobody does, uh, but it looks like they're holding up. And remember, we have to focus on what are the metrics that matter. No one's saying that you can't get infected if you had a vaccine. Sure, you reduce the risk of your infection, but of course you can get infected if you had the vaccine. I think the big metrics that matter most are, do you get sick enough that you have to land yourself in a hospital or an ICU, or do you die from this illness? And if we look at vaccinations preventing severe illness, they really do stand the test of time so far. They've been holding up very strong with anywhere from 85 to 95% effectiveness in keeping people out of hospital, out of the ICU, and dying regardless of the vaccine that people have received. So they're still holding up strong. But hey, listen, no one has a crystal ball. We might need a, uh, a third dose of these vaccines at some point. And let's follow the data closely so we know when to do that if that time arrives. So I'm sure you're looking very closely at what we're hearing coming out of Alberta and Saskatchewan. What do you make of what you're hearing from those two provinces, what the Canadian Medical Association is saying, and whether there is a, really a threat of, uh, of this Delta variant spreading as it is in Alberta and Saskatchewan now and the rest of the country? Yeah, I mean, full disclosure and too much information for the radio, but hey, I'm from Alberta. That's my home province. I love it and miss it dearly, and it breaks my heart to see Alberta and other parts of Western Canada like Saskatchewan just getting pummeled. Um, they're in trouble. And they're calling in for external support and external support is coming in. You've got to turn this around because that healthcare system is stretched beyond capacity and everybody is suffering for it. In fact, it doesn't matter what your issue is, COVID-19 or not. If you're going to a hospital in those provinces, you're probably getting a lower standard of care than what you deserve because the hospitals are overrun and stretched beyond capacity. This is a time where you just have to roll up your sleeves and do 
unfortunate things that no one likes to do to get this under control quickly. Dare I even say the word lockdown? I know it's a bad word to many, including myself. Nobody likes lockdowns. They're awful. They're terrible. They have terrible negative repercussions. But if the goal is get cases down quickly, it will help do that. And you don't have many tools in your toolbox left that will help get cases down quickly. You don't. You don't. Everyone hates lockdowns. They're terrible and they suck. They should be avoidable at this point in the vaccine era. But here we are with healthcare systems stretched well beyond capacity. They're going to get by by the skin of their teeth. A lockdown, as awful as it is, even if it's a short one, will help bring cases down faster. You can choose to use that information or choose not to. But that's, that will actually help. And again, I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying it's something that helps bring the cases down. We know what the negative repercussions of lockdowns are at this point. So we've also heard, and particularly in the last couple of days, about a new pill, and I'm going to try to pronounce this properly, Mul, is it Molnupiravir? You got it. Did I? Exactly. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday I didn't. So Molnupiravir, which is said to maybe cut hospitalizations in half and be a pill that would be an antiviral, an oral antiviral that would be successful. What do we know about this? Well, unfortunately, not much. We know what the clinical trial was, and we know what the, what the company's telling us the results are, but we haven't actually seen the data. It hasn't been published in a peer-reviewed journal just yet. But here's the deal. In this study, and they're reporting uh, 800, uh, a study of around 800 people, it cut the risk of hospitalization and death by about 50%. Here's a pill. You start it within about five days of symptom onset. You take it for five days, and it can reduce that risk of hospitalization and death. If this holds up, if this is true, if we can replicate this, hey, that's a big deal because COVID is not going anywhere anytime soon. And if you have something that can, you, from diet, you can identify people who are at risk of severe illness, uh, give them the tablet in, in five days, which is actually a decent amount of wiggle room, uh, you can really help uh, save lives and take a burden off of the healthcare system. I hope, it, I really hope it works. I really hope it works. But again, I don't want to get too excited until we see the data and until we see it used in real world settings. A great deal being said about the occupancy rate in ICUs across this country of ours is uh, primarily now by people who are not vaccinated, and it creates a lot of emotional debate and discussion. What are you seeing? Uh, What do we do about it? Is there anything that we can do about it? Because we have the right to either accept vaccination or not being vaccinated. But people are going to start getting angry with one another and fed up with each other. Listen, I just deal with facts and science, and then I'll try and make a value judgment based on the facts and the science. You're spot on. It is overwhelmingly the unvaccinated that are in hospital in the ICU, overwhelmingly, from a proportionate standpoint. When you look at the proportion of people vaccinated versus the proportion of people who are unvaccinated, it is overwhelmingly the unvaccinated people who are in the ICUs and in the hospitals. But no one, it's, it, it is a choice. You cannot force a vaccine to sell on somebody. You can't. You can't. This is, has to be an informed decision. And it's a complex problem. And obviously, we don't have enough time to get into it all. But basically, it's a multi-pronged approach. Number one, people with hesitancy or residual questions have to be taken seriously. Address them. Sit down with a family doctor. Talk about them. Don't cast people aside. Address their questions and concerns. Number two, there's disinformation and misinformation online, amplified. We've got to battle this. Like, this kills people. People are making bad health decisions for themselves because of disinformation and misinformation. And, and I think, and number three, we have to lower barriers. There's still, as much as people might not believe it, there still are barriers to vaccinations for some. 
and we have to bring these vaccines to where people work, where people live, where people pray, where people spend their free time to make it as easy as possible for them to get vaccinated. All right, Dr. Bogosh, a lot being said about vaccinating children. And uh, Pfizer has a vaccine for 5 to 11-year-old children. That's a very controversial issue, but it makes up, as the president of the Canadian Medical Association, Dr. Smart, told us yesterday, about 15% of the national population. Is it time to vaccinate the youngest among us? Yes, with a big asterisk beside it. Again, it's an informed decision. You can't force people to do anything. You also have to have an acknowledgement that, you know, there are serious benefits with the vaccine, but of course, risks. We know that. And you have to discuss the potential for myocarditis. You have to discuss that in a fair, open, honest manner. You have to discuss the benefits, you know, of the vaccine. You have to discuss how this impacts the child. No one gets a vaccine for the good of the community. When a parent is sitting with a child in a doctor or pediatrician's office, the parent wants to know, is this, is this going to help my child or not? We know it's going to be good for the community. It's obvious. If, if, if you vaccinate a significant proportion of that cohort, you know, you can just start waving goodbye to the pandemic in Canada because more and more of us will be vaccinated. The more and more of us that are immune or have some immunity to this, the, the, the faster we get out of this. But these are individual choices. You don't get vaccinated for the good of the community. You get vaccinated to protect yourself. So parents need to sit down and chat about this with their family doctor or pediatrician about if they have concerns. Listen, we vaccinate kids for the flu. And in general, the flu doesn't cause, I got to say this very carefully. Yes, the flu does impact kids. Yes, kids can get really sick and die from the flu. Um, yes, COVID can impact kids. Yes, COVID can, kids can get sick and die from COVID. But in general, relative to older populations, kids don't get as sick. They still can get sick. And of course, this vaccine can prevent that. We, again, honest conversations. Just have honest conversations. I don't like how some people say, oh, it's don't do this. Kids don't get sick at all. That's not entirely true and honest versus the other. Oh, these vaccines, they're totally fine. They're really, really good. But you still have to discuss the potential for myocarditis, however rare it is. You also have to contextualize and say the virus itself causes myocarditis in much higher rates than the vaccine as well. So complex conversations, honest conversations, they need to happen. But when you boil it all down, if you take a rational, scientific, data-driven look, the vaccines make sense. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.